Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Man, did this dude just did this? I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Indiana Legends. We are on to episode two. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to episode one. If you haven't checked that out, Kevin and I looked at the Colts move from Baltimore to Indy. Pos- uh, positive feedback, Kevin. And again, thanks for joining me. I'm excited about episode two. I know, man. And I do have to compliment you again on that intro. It, it gets me every time. And obviously, we will get into um, a little bit on the uh, back end of that intro uh, here and here, Mr. Starks. I have a feeling that he will find his way into this episode. Yes. Episode two, we are going to hit on the Pacers franchise. Um, and Kevin and I, you know, we've been talking, um, you know, in recent news, you got Oladipo wanting out, obviously the Paul George, it's a franchise right now that isn't an, it's in a, I don't know. I don't want to say dire point, uh, but it's a very important point. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I could not agree more. I think this is the one of our pivotal off seasons this franchise has faced in quite some time. It's, they've had these iterations that we'll, we'll get into today of, you know, every couple of years, maybe every fourth year, fifth year, uh, just tremendous success. And, you know, you haven't won a playoff series since 2014. And obviously you're searching for a head coach and your stars acting like how too many stars act like in today's NBA. So, oh, yeah, a whole lot of drama that's got to be figured out to get back to, you know, some of those um, runs with whatever, mid-90s, early yeah. 2000s, even earlier this, or I guess last decade, you know, 2013, 2014, some really, really special runs that I think at times we probably took for granted as as fans. Definitely. And, and so what we're going to do in episode two is we are going to break down the best teams the Pacers have ever had that didn't win a championship. For whatever reason, these teams were not able, able to get over the hump and win a championship. So we're going to break down the um, – now we're not going to go back to the ABA. I think we both agreed <laughs> that we don't oh, know much about the ABA. Um, so we're not going to go back into the 70s. Um, you know, obviously the 80s was pretty bad for the Pacers. So we're going to hit more on the 90s and go through some of these teams that had a legitimate chance to win a championship. I love Slick Leonard. Uh, and uh, he actually used to play golf at the golf course I worked at in high school, Plum Creek. But yeah, I, my ABA knowledge is lacking, so I'm I was very pleased from and selfishly from a franchise standpoint that honestly my first memories of probably Pacers Colts was like you know Jim Harbaugh AFC title game and then Pacers kind of magic, uh, obviously Reggie Nick like that stuff. So thankfully for the Pacers franchise, they started winning when my memory started to be formed. <laughs> Definitely. And that leads us in. Let's start with the first, I think, two seasons that have a legitimate chance to win an NBA championship. That's the 94 team and the 95 team. Um, and, and you saw, um, I know you, you talked about it last episode, one of your favorite 30 for 30s has to be winning time. You know, the stories of Reggie Miller, the Pacers versus the Knicks. These are those years. And you know, led by Larry Brown, the Pacers had legitimate chances. And I talked to Kevin about this before the episode. I think the important thing here is that Michael Jordan wasn't playing these years. These were the two years that he sat out. And I think that comes back really, really to be an important factor in saying that these teams could have won a championship. 
Um, so let's let's go ahead. Let's start with the '94 team. Um, had a good season, 47 and 35 record, but they lose to the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and then the Knicks go on to uh, play the Rockets in the NBA Finals and lose in seven games there. Um, so what are your memories? What are your thoughts on these 94, 95 teams? Yeah, you know, it, I probably don't give those years enough credence for, like you said, John, the missed opportunity. I mean, we're, we're, we're so used here locally, um, you know, to our era of Pacers basketball is defined by, okay, Jordan and LeBron, like they are in your division. And um, the fact that, you know, he didn't play basketball for two years uh, and just what terrific opportunities this franchise had of Reggie, you know, seemingly in his prime and, you know, kind of more of a bully ball front court. And, you know, you had some wing defenders as well. You made the trade for Mark Jackson. I kind of forgot about that after the 94 season. Um, So, you know, had more of kind of a stable point guard. Uh, And and just, again, just the missed opportunities to, when you look at the Knicks, I guess, in 94 and the Magic in 97, I mean, obviously really, really talented teams, but, um, you know, certainly no juggernaut. And that Magic team, I think, really struggled in the finals, if I'm not mistaken, that year. Uh, you know, obviously, what you what I remember most about the ninety four ninety five teams is is those Knicks matchups, and I guess yeah. especially in the ninety five when you have the game one Reggie and Spike um, in the Eastern semi, Eastern Conference semifinals, and just that series itself. I always think this is one of the greatest radio calls of all time. Mark Boyle, the longtime Pacers play by play call, and the Pacers beat the Knicks in I think it's seven games in the semifinals of ninety five. And Ewing had a shot, I mean, right at the rim, like a yeah. little runner. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably like, you know, where the little half circle is now for guys to take charges. I mean, right there to send it into overtime game seven. And he misses that. And Mark Boyle, I mean, just in a screeching scream yells, ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> and like, and, and then he's like, and we're off to Disney World. Which obviously means, you know, Pacers magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, what and a I great call. Ab- oh my gosh. I mean, top like five radio calls. Because obviously, ding dong, the witch is dead. I mean, that's in reference to, you know, losing to the Knicks the previous year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in, in, in seven games. And just in general, that was kind of the elephant in the room of could you get past them. So, those are probably my my fondest memories. I, I don't. I mean, do you have many memories of the Magic series? I, you know, I only got blitz in Game Seven, but I don't I, have many like. I fond was a huge, huge Penny Hardaway fan, um, and Shaquille yeah. O'Neal was, you know, I, he was popular. You know, he was in Kazam and, and those things. So, as a kid, you know, I did gravitate towards the Magic. Obviously, I was a Pacers fan first. Um, so I do remember that series pretty well, and, and I can remember, you know, Penny Hardaway just really giving the Pacers fits and just being that, he was that first, like, really tall kind of point guard that could, you know, see the floor, was more built like a wing, but just a great passer, yeah. and I just remember, obviously, the Pacers struggling with Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, what do you do? Um, and I was just surprised at the Game 7 you know, the end of winning time, the 30 for 30, you think it's like this magical 
storyline like yeah the Pacers finally get over the Knicks hump and people forget no that was just the semifinals that wasn't the Eastern Conference finals they had to go play the Magic and so for them you know it's unfortunate that they you know they finally get over the Knicks but then they don't reach the finals or even win a championship so yeah and that was a great series though I mean it was a seven game series against the Magic I I forgot how big of a blowout game seven was yeah it was 105 Um, to 81 was the final score and obviously down there they were the one seed we were the two um but I feel like and and we'll obviously get into this as the the years unfold but I I don't maybe look at these teams as the best Pacers teams but in professional sports man it's just it's about opportunity chances and and, and I and, wonder. And this just seems like such a golden chance that yeah. at the time you probably didn't realize it because hell, no one knew Jordan was going to come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously he did. Yeah, and I wonder like how much you know we're prisoners of the moment. You know, we see the dynasty with the Warriors. We see the dynasty. LeBron's a dynasty unto himself of going mm-hmm. to the finals. And you know, do we have a convoluted sense of like? It's easy to get to the finals. It's easy to win a championship, you know. And, and I think That's going so true, <laughs> going back through the Pacers years, you're going, gosh, these were really good teams. They just didn't, you know, for whatever reason, get over the hump. And it just really shows how hard it is to win or even get to the finals. It's just, it's just really hard for a franchise, especially you know a franchise like the Pacers, who might not be able to recruit, you know, these big time free agents. You have to be able to draft. You have to be able to form a good team, make good trades and build a team. And so, yeah, these, these years I think were really tough, um, especially that 95 year, finally beating the Knicks, and then you turn around and you lose in seven games to the Magic. So, again, um, those were two years I really felt like the Pacers had legitimate chance to win a championship. Uh, I, b- before we move on, I do want to say, I know we're in an episode and a half into this uh into our legends of what, what, what's Indiana our title legends. Again? I know Indi- Indiana well, I couldn't legends. say legends of Indiana because that's copyrighted. Um, I don't want to get sued by the golf, golf course. course. Yeah, it's, it's where we had the state finals, correct? Right, golf. Um, the line so far of this podcast, you just said it. LeBron is a dynasty in himself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is again. We can get into that debate much, much later. But uh, boy, that that is a great line. Thank you. Um, all right, let's move on. So Larry Brown, here's the other unfortunate thing, is I think the Pacers have had several coaches that after they leave have won a championship. Or at least, you know what I mean? Like you got Larry Brown, you got Rick Carlisle. Um, so we've had the pedigree of coaches that can win I mean, a championship. Hell, you got, you got Vogel. You got Vogel, Vogel, yeah, Vogel this year has a chance to win. So we could have three coaches in the last you know two decades that, have a chance to win a championship after they've left the Pacers. And um, that kind of leads me into the 97 through 2000 teams. Larry Bird's the coach. Um, obviously very talented rosters. Um, but here's what you have to deal with. 98, you deal with the Bulls. 99, you have the lockout year. And then 2000, you get prime Shaq, prime Kobe. <laughs> so three really good seasons. Uh, you know, I thought Larry did a great job coaching these teams. Um, we can start with the 98 team. Obviously, um, if you watch the last dance, they got a lot of pub. 
Um, even Michael Jordan said, you know, this Pacers team, we knew we had to go through them. We knew this was going to be the team. And, and I think he even kind of put more onus on them in the Eastern Conference Finals than even the Jazz in the in the NBA Championship. I think he was more worried about the Pacers dethroning them or knocking them out. So um, this 98 team, you know, what do you recall? What are your thoughts on this, this 98 era? Well, obviously such vivid memories of that series. Um, with with Chicago and, and winning time certainly helped it out. Um, you know, I think Jordan uttered some line, and this is just kind of the raw footage in that post-game locker room of, like, hardest we've worked in 13 years uh, after the Game 7 win. And, and, and that, to me, just kind of told the whole story. Again, a very real moment. You know, him and Larry, that was kind of a funny moment they showed in winning yeah. time. Larry calls him some word I probably can't <laughs> say. I don't know if I'm allowed to or not, but um, you know, j- just that series, you know, Reggie shot and what was that game three at market square yeah. game four. Um, and then Mike, Michael almost making it at the other end of the floor. And, and, and there's that bulls player. As soon as Reggie pushes off and shoots it, that is just walking straight to the tunnel knowing full well that that, that shot is going in. I, I mean, all of those memories. And, and I do have recall on game seven, getting off to that great start and having a double digit lead yeah. and thinking, because I feel like, at least recently, Pacers Heat series, and obviously we'll touch on this later, we just didn't play well in, yeah. in Game Sevens, and especially on the road, it's just been yeah. a big struggle. So to have a double-digit lead, and you know, Michael did not have that crazy Game Seven performance that you would think he had. Um, but man, the foul shooting in that game, and oh, yeah. Dale Davis really struck, really struck up on the glass. Man. It was, you know, I actually went back and watched this. The the coolest thing to me is you can go watch these games on YouTube. A lot of these playoff Ooh. games are full game. That sounds like a perfect quarantine thing to do. Oh, yeah. And, and I remember during quarantine and sometimes before our games, um, you know, when I'm coaching, you know, my staff and I, we have, a, we have a TV in our office and we'll pull up old playoff games. And I can remember this was at the end of last year. We pulled up the game seven. Uh, it was when they were showing winning time and, or sorry, uh, what's the Bulls, uh, the last dance when they were showing the last yeah, yeah, dance yeah. and we went back and watched the game and, and I couldn't believe how one, how slow the pace was compared to today's game. It is so slow going back and watching those games. And and like you said, it was a sloppy game. The Pacers get out to a lead you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is their chance. You know, this isn't the old Pacers that are going to get blown out. And I don't think Michael Jordan really played that well of a game. I think he, you know, he ended up with like 27, but he probably took 28, 29 shots. And, you know, that was like the Pacers' real legitimate chance to dethrone this dynasty and to win a championship. No, I couldn't agree more there. Yeah, and I feel like I was saying winning time earlier, I meant, the last dance. I mean, yeah, that, that was that was the best opportunity because if I'm not mistaken, again, Pacers Bulls. I don't think they had matched up in any of the play, previous playoffs. They had not. Michael. No. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the first time that that, that you had seen them there. Um, you know, had made. I think just they were probably the more experienced, maybe the more experienced Pacers team. You know, Derek McKee, obviously Chris Mullen. You know, you're a little bit different in 2000, like. Jalen Rose um, really kind of came on the scene, I feel like, in 2000. But, I mean, watching that episode, you know, back in the spring, just what Scottie Pippen did to Mark Jackson 
and his ability to just totally yeah. neutralize him. And then Reggie was super quiet in the fourth quarter of game seven as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we will look at this in a, in a little bit, but maybe the best team, but just that opportunity of knowing this is probably it for that dynasty. I mean, they were determined like none other. You clearly saw it. They knew it. The last dance title speaks for itself. Um, man, that's one that's just – it's the ultimate sign of respect, what Michael and Scotty and those guys say about the Pacers afterwards. But still, man, it's a um, – that one hurts. That one hurts a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it – I would much rather the Pacers win and not have the respect <laughs> than, uh, you know, hey, man, you guys did really well, uh, but we still beat you. You know, that whole, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up that Larry um, and, and Michael combo after the game. He, he calls him the B word and all that stuff. And it, it was playful, but you you just know Larry just wanted to, to win that series. I mean, that just was, oh. that was a chance for them to really, really win a ring, I, in my opinion. Such a competitor, and we we can move on to the next one. But one last little quick story, and I told this to some of my buddies uh, prior, but this was played up obviously in in the documentary about Jordan golfing so much. Um, Sunday of the Indy 500 was in between Game Three and Game Four that year, and my brother, who at the time was probably I don't know 14 years old, 13 years old, something like that. He goes to Prairie View Golf Course, a course in Carmel um, that just been built and was kind of a, a bit obscure, like no houses on the on the course or anything like that. And had a tournament that he needed to get ready for practicing. Pulls into the parking lot, and again, Sunday of the Indy 500, so not a lot of people there. And some guys like, you won't believe it, Michael Jordan's on the eighth hole. And my brother, my dad are like, you know, no way. And sure enough, all of a sudden, Michael Jordan, a modern shot, and. He forgets who else was playing in that group, comes up, and Jordan, um, and they wait for him, and Jordan plays out the ninth hole, and, and, and my brother asked him to sign a golf ball. And so Jordan could have been nicer, made some joke about he's not used to signing, you know, these smaller, dimply golf balls. He's used to signing, obviously, the old uh, the old peach. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit of a kind of wow. a funny story about, you know, in between game three and game four, just how crushing or how emotional <laughs> – that seems to fans, you know, the compartmentalizing of Jordan just to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get away and go on the golf course. And what, a, um, what a story, yeah. man. Does your brother still have the yeah. golf ball? He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it. Um, there actually was a picture, I think, of like a there, – there's really only about three people that got his autograph again because the parking lot was really quiet that day. But, you know, some random person took a picture. Um, somehow had a camera, obviously 98, you know, cameras weren't as readily available then like they are now, but, uh, you can see my dad in the background of a, of a picture. So yeah, Ryan, uh, awesome. Ryan Bowen's stuff like that a golf ball. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, and, and just Jordan, I don't know if that's just like his legend too. He's like, you know, I know we're in game seven <laughs> of this series. I'm going to go golf, you know, my day off you imagine? And, and just being that confident and just, you know, I get tired after 18 holes. I can't imagine, you know, he's probably out there playing 36 and, and then shows up and gives you, you know, 38 and 10 <laughs> in game seven or something. Just the ultimate middle finger to you. Yeah. I was scrambling for par 24 hours ago on the 13th hole. And, you know, here I am dropping 40 on you and the, you know, biggest stage that the NBA has oh my gosh all right let's let's move on uh Jordan retires after that 98 season for 
the first time, or sorry, second time. Holy cow, he's retired for the second time. And the Pacers still have a good squad. So you're thinking maybe, hey, maybe these next couple years, the Pacers can get to a finals or win a championship. So let's move on to the 99-2000 team. We still have a pretty solid roster, um, still the core guys from that 98 team. But we run into a problem. Um, actually, we make it to the finals. But who do we have to face? <laughs> we have to face prime Shaquille O'Neal again, who was our arch nemesis with the, with the Magic, and a new face, a young player, Kobe Bryant, in the NBA Finals. Uh, what are your memories of this year? And, and we finally make it to the finals. Yeah, you know, when... Um when Kobe passed, I, I went back and kind of looked a little bit more into this, you know, final series and, and, and forgot how young he was in that series. And what is he, 19, I think, or 20? I mean, he, yeah, I think this was, yeah, he was 20. 20. Yeah, early 20s, 20 or 21. Yeah. And um, how Kobe had that ankle injury early in the series, but yet comes back in game four, which is such a big turning point in the series. Um, Shaq fouls out. And by the way, if you look at these Shaq stat lines in the series. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, it's video game-like. 38 it's- points per game, 17 rebounds per game in in six-game <laughs> series. He averaged 38 and 17. Oh, my and, and, gosh. You know, I can remember, you know, people were talking about this matchup, like Rick Smith versus Shaq. It's going to be this battle. It was not. It was not a battle. It wasn't close. Um, God bless Rick. You but know, yeah, and, it was. And, it was bad. Sam Perkins getting on the court it isn't gonna. Yeah, unless he's stretching the floor, that isn't helping you there. I know a lot of people kind of look back on. I think it was this year the Pacers traded Antonio Davis, um, for the pick that ended up being Jonathan Bender. Yeah, and it's like, all right, you know, if you have Antonio Davis. Would that have changed? Obviously, Shaq's still going to be Shaq, but it's another body at least. Certainly a much more impactful body than Jonathan Bender ever ended up being. Certainly high school age Jonathan Bender would have been in his rookie season. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that that game four, Kobe you know, hit some huge shots in overtime. He had an ankle injury, and I think he missed game, maybe game three, and that was the first Pacers win of that series. Yeah. So. Um, you know, that, that's your chance, you know, when you're the underdog and, and you have the ability to control home court and maybe put a little bit more game pressure on them. Um, that That's probably my most vivid memory. I mean, playoff run-wise, hell, I remember you're a Travis Beth corner three away from possibly being upset in round one against the yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, like I, I think that's one time. You know, one thing when people talk about legacies and, and you know, old teams is they often forget the previous – series you know the things that didn't happen or the things that could have happened and like you said you know the Pacers were one shot away from being upset and and I look at the Western Conference Finals you know this Lakers team um, was almost upset by Portland yeah they were down Uh, going into the fourth quarter of game seven the Lakers are down 71 to 58 they're just playing terrible and then they go on this huge run. They score like 31 points in the fourth quarter. If you've ever seen those highlights, they always show Shaq catching that oop from Kobe. Yep, yep. That's that game seven. And they end up coming back and they, you know, finally they beat Portland. And you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, if if Portland wins, 
that really changes the Pacers' chances of winning a championship. But they come back, you know, bounce back that game seven, and now you're sitting there going, wow, uh, you know, we're up, you know what, Creek without a powder. So, Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, I can remember. I do remember, uh, yeah, I I remember game six out there, which ended up being the clincher. The Pacers, I think, had the lead late and or at least in the fourth quarter of that game, which, you know, you tend to think in these series, home court dictates everything. But, you know, if you could have won that one, because you came back and, and killed them in game five. So it was three, two Lakers led at that point. Um, you know, if you could have won game six and just, just the drama of a game seven, obviously I didn't expect Pacers to win the series, but still, you know, to get to an NBA finals, to potentially get to a seventh game of, a, of an NBA finals for a Lakers team that, you know, th- this was their first title. Um, you know, I think it was Phil Jackson's first year. Yeah. You know, this was kind of their, their first run at it. And, and with this, you know, obviously the, the incredible core that they had over the next handful of years. So, yeah, I mean, this kind of falls into the 98 category a little bit yeah. for me of just really, really good team and ran into an, just a dominant freaking monster in Shaq. Yeah, uh, it's just like, unf- you know, and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, like how much of the pace- Pacers, you know, uh, troubles is bad luck and who they ran into or just shows you how hard it is to win a championship. Um, right. Now, after this year, the Pacers go a couple years without really a legitimate chance to win. This was kind of the end of that that 90s era where they had to kind of, they had to kind of rebuild and then we get into the 2004-2005 seasons. And this is, I was in high school at this time. Um, and, and these are really vivid memories, um, especially with that 2004-2005 team versus the Pacers, or sorry, versus the Pistons. You know, at this point, the, the Pacers are 61-21. and 21. Very good season. They have a chance. I totally forgot that. Yeah. 61 wins is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, really solid. I and mean, we, we have Ron Artest, we got Reggie, um, who else? Al Harrington, Steve Jackson, Stephen Jack. I mean, just some really talented I mean, players. Jermaine J-O, O'Neal. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, J.O. finished pretty high in the MVP voting, yeah. I think, in that 2004 season. Yeah. So, and Rick Carlisle, who, yeah. like you said, goes on to win a title. But, you know, when you had those older teams around the 2000s, you knew there was going to be a change in the guard. You know, Reggie's hanging on by a thread at this point. Uh, that, that, that's too harsh. He's not hanging on by a thread. But, you know, he's he's not the, not same, the same player. player you was. know, he was 37, no. 38 years old, you know, and he's he was still averaging about 10 points a game. But like you said, I mean, he's getting towards the end of his career, and it's kind of a changing of the guard. Yeah. I mean, I think looking back on it, that 2014, which loses the Pistons in six. I, I guess I just kind of forget, and I, I like that team, and I guess I kind of forget the era, and two, seeing the scores of some of these games in the series, I'm kind of glad I forgot some of these <laughs> games, uh, literally if, the Pacers score like 65 points in some games. If you ever want to take a nap, just turn on those games from the 2004 playoffs against the Pistons, and oh you will God. fall right asleep. Um, the average, the, the pace... So the average scores of all six games, Pistons 75 points per game, Pacers 72 points per game for the entire I mean, series. Like those would be, those are the, we're taping this the morning, the Lakers heat first 
you know, game one of the final. I mean, that midway through the third quarter tonight, those yeah. teams should be at that mark. I mean, it's that's yeah, a high I, school I score. That's that's the end of a high school <laughs> right. game with eight minute quarters. You know, yeah, that um, is a great point. Um, and I think what stood out, obviously, this is one of the most famous playoff, you know, uh, blocks we've ever seen. Um, the wow, Pacers have a chance. Yeah, we. <laughs> the Pacers have a chance. They're playing at home. They're up 1-0. They have a chance to go up 2-0. And Reggie Miller, the ball gets knocked around. He gets a pass. He's on a fast break. Now, how tall is Reggie Miller? 6'7", six, 6'8", six, out of 6'7"? Yeah, he goes up for a regular layup, and Tayshawn Prince, and you got to give Tayshawn some credit, sprints back and has this miraculous block with 17 seconds to go in game two. Saves the Pistons. The Pistons steal that game, and as we know, the rest is history. The Pistons go on to win that series. What's your memories of that block? Boy, I can vividly picture it right now. Um, I just... I remember Reggie slowing down like like I slow down in the open court <laughs> now when and I probably haven't played a game of basketball in several years but it, it, yeah just painfully not attacking the rim and, and you know Reggie was never a guy that attacked the rim with any sort of reckless abandon by any means but yeah obviously you remember Prince's wingspan getting there and just the shock because that was at Atencico or yes. Banker's Life, whatever it's called. I mean, just, just the silence of the of the arena at that point. And I guess I forgot it was game two. Boy, if you go up 2-0, because that's, again, like you said, Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. I mean, boy, you're in such a golden position to get back to an NBA Finals. And, you know, when, when you, you sent out some of the podcast notes this episode and I, I went back and kind of looked into that series you know game five you have them tied 2-2 at home I mean that's yeah. that's another great position you would like to be in because you won 61 games and you were the number one overall seed because that, that that's the thing in a lot of these series that we look up you know the Pacers didn't have home court advantage you you had home court advantage this season and you just got out tough man yeah and that yeah. was a team that obviously Detroit prided itself on being that tough team. and Yeah, I mean, that's – geez, I feel like I'm saying it every time I think about it, but you talk about a missed opportunity. The home court aspect to me more than anything. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously, it was, still not, it was still an unproven core, really, outside of Reggie. But the fact that you had that advantage and we're playing a really familiar opponent and the layup, dunk, all of that, hmm, gosh – I hope people are having a drink while they're listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some really uh, traumatic memories going back and looking at some of these plays. Yeah, I can just remember the pace of that series. Oh my gosh, seventy five to seventy two. Um, that leads us into the next season. The Pacers again losing the Eastern Conference Final. They have their core back, and people are excited. I mean, people really are giving this team a chance. This could be a championship team. Um, and they get into the season, they're 6-2, and two, and they're going up to Detroit to play their, I guess you could call them their rivals now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And the Pacers are up, I don't know how much, I want to say double digits in the fourth quarter, about to be 7-2 and two on the season, having a great, you know, great year, and we all know what happens next. <laughs> The malice in the palace. 
and uh, just so many memories and thoughts come back on this. Um, I can remember I was a sophomore in high school, and I can remember, this is before social media, this is before you got instant news. I can remember turning on SportsCenter that morning, and just my jaw just drops, like, this happened. An NBA team went into the stands and fought people, fought, <laughs> you know, fans. And I'm just going, Human. this, yeah, this, is this reality? And, and my first thought was like, what's David Stern thinking? I, I can't imagine what calls he got and what his thoughts are. And then just going, this is going to ruin the Pacers season. This, this is just, it's over. It's done. Yeah. I, um, I certainly thought all those things. I'll never forget. I came home from a Carmel high school football game and uh, the game was on ESPN, um, which, you know, was back then, I think a little bit more rare than it is now. I mean, hell the Pacers can't get on national TV yeah. to save their lives right now, but yeah, it, it just shock. It just literal jaw dropping shock and watching it unfold. And just, just the, um, the slowness of how it all developed, you know, it took a yeah. long time for Ron to, you know, get in the stands and obviously, you know, him and Wallace had had a little bit of a, you know, they, whatever. They kind of got into it a couple of possessions earlier. Um, I, I forgot Reggie wasn't playing. Reggie was dealing with an, with an injury that year. Um, I don't know if you've watched that, and, and I forget the name of it, but there's a documentary on Ron Artest's life. Um, I forget which, uh, who it's through or whatnot, but it's a lot of palace talk. Yeah, and basically, I mean, him and Jermaine O'Neal, they—I want to say—I think they talked, but I'm not 100 percent sure. They went like 13, 14 years without talking after this incident. Artest and O'Neal didn't talk yeah. after that. Wow. Yeah, just how crippling it was. Jo thought for his career. I mean, remember, almost as a league MVP the year before. Yeah. Um, and Artest was having a great start to the year as well. I mean, this, this oh, yeah. team looked. Very, they obviously were beating the the Pistons that night as well. I mean, I, I remember Larry Brown just kind of in tears yeah. when he when he when he eventually took the mic and boy, just so many vivid memories. Probably, and this is you know on a much lighter note, probably the funniest memory I have of the whole brawl was when Tinsley picks up the dustpan <laughs> uh, as they're walking off the court and is just swinging it in the air. And, like, Steven Jackson's just walking, like, you know, motion to the crowd, like, keep on throwing popcorn and beer on me and whatnot. It's just, you know, again, and this is on a totally different scale, but, like, you have the way we travel now and the security we have is because of 9-11. The way that you have to act at a sporting event now yeah. is because of this event. I mean, like, you know, there yeah. were – they don't give you beer bottles or beer – you know, it's yeah. not like – you know, I, I I think they took caps, if I'm not mistaken, like off of. Yep. Um, yeah, and just you know, the level, yeah. and, level of security. I mean, you go to a Pacers right. game, every section's got, you know, a guy or, you know, somebody standing there. It's just, you know, it, it totally changed the landscape of the NBA. And um, I was so pissed that Ben Wallace didn't get more games. Yeah, I think he only got five, maybe five game suspension, six games. I mean, he, he was the instigator twice. Yeah. You know, first for going at him, but then kind of going at him at, at the scores and not leaving the court in a timely manner. Like, that's the reason where this keeps on going. And, 
you know, when you watch the documentary, the guy, John Green, I think his name, ends up throwing the beer. I mean, the longer you wait, the longer it's going on in the court, you don't get both teams back to their respective benches. Should Ron have laid on the scores table? No. But, you know, whatever. It's not like he was doing anything crazy. So Yeah, and and you never expect a fan to drop a beer on you. You know what no. I mean? And then Hell no. He he snapped and he gosh my my memory is just him sprinting towards that guy and the look of fear in that guy's eyes oh my gosh. as this six seven you know just like behemoth of a man is coming at you with rage in his eyes like I can just so vividly remember the fear <laughs> as he's he's like laughing and yeah. then his eyes shift and it's just oh like, my gosh oh my gosh and then I you could know, be dead here in the next twenty seconds. Yeah, and then, you know, I obviously remember Reggie trying to grab everybody, the coaches trying to grab people, our test jerseys, mm-hmm. like, hanging down to oh his waist, beers yeah. getting thrown, and just, like, the craziness, the spectacle of it. You're going, how did this happen? And then a day later, you start to think about, well, what's this mean for the Pacers? And what's this mean for the franchise? Now yeah. we're... We're totally lost. We're totally not going to have a chance. Our test gets suspended for the rest of the season. 73 games and the playoffs without money. Steven Jackson Crazy. gets 30 game suspension. Jermaine O'Neal gets 15 game suspension. So that kind of goes back to what you said. We have an MVP caliber player who's missing 15 games. You have Steven Jackson who. He was a heck of a player, 30 games. And then Ron Artest, who might have been your, you know, arguably your second or first best player. I think he was the leading scorer at that point. He gets the whole season. Well, yeah, certainly your best player on both ends of the floor when you take into that that account. I mean, yeah, it was, um, I remember them playing the next night. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Literally having Fred Jones having like 40 or something. (laughs) I mean, they had like six or seven guys dressed and. And if I'm not mistaken, that year ends with them getting into the playoffs. They, yeah, they still make actually, it to the playoffs, yeah. Actually getting on a little bit of a run. They played the Pistons, and um, it was I think it was the Eastern Conference semifinals, had a series lead at one point uh, in that series. Now lose to the Pistons, and this is Reggie retired. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I do think one of the cooler moments that I've seen, obviously Larry Brown, you know, his history with Reggie. And then in Indiana, he takes a timeout. Reggie exits the game. And then Larry Burr, or uh, Larry Brown takes a timeout as well to just kind of further the standing ovation. And that's always just a really cool moment that whenever I'm feeling sad, I like to look up on YouTube because <laughs> I'm a loser. No, that is a great memory. And you love when coaches, you know, honor that. Uh, yeah, that was definitely. awesome. Um, that again, I think in the mid two thousands, probably the last chance the Pacers legitimately have to win a championship. They go through the Jim, uh, Jim O'Brien era, which Mm. we're not going to even remotely hit on for more than one second. And then we get into, I think the last real chances the, the Pacers have had, that's the 2013 team and the 2014 team. Both teams make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose to the Miami Heat. Um, kind of a young, scrappy bunch, uh, very young. I don't think they the first year, 2012, I don't think they had a player over 30 years old on the roster. Um, so they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, obviously playing against a, a 
gosh, a stacked team. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. What are your memories from this team or these teams and these series? You know, it's funny. When you sent me um, these two seasons, I one of the years I remember the most was actually that 2012 team, which loses to the Heat in the divisional – or um, divisional, gosh, I'm thinking NFL uh, – Eastern Conference semis. And that's the infamous Dwayne Wade, Tom Crean, game four, uh, visit in Bloomington. And the Pacers were up 2-1 and in that series and then lost um, with, you know, the Heat having an extra day and Wade going down to Bloomington <laughs> to visit Green. Pacers had a big lead in game four. And, like, I totally forgot that that wasn't even one of the conference finals yeah. series against the Heat. So, it, it again, it goes back to just, like, was that team – I think the 13 and 14 teams are better, but it goes back to the opportunity that we always talk about. You know, you're up 2-1. You, you have game four at home. I mean, if you go up 3-1, I, I don't care if the Heat are playing two out of three at home to close out those final three games. You talk about putting some pressure on this new era of Heat teams. Yeah, so, so the, the, that's what pops into, me, into my head initially. But obviously, I remember the Hibbert block on Mello to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, that's, I think, one of the more iconic moments um, then contrastly not having Hibbert on the floor uh, for the final play yeah. of game one in that 13 series. Uh, that that stands out to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just really talented teams. David West was such an adult for these teams and just, you know, you had some struggles. I mean, you almost lost to the Hawks one of those years, and, and West was just an absolute man late in those games to get the win. So I think those are some of the things that stand out. Obviously the Bynum trade. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, you talk about a guy looking like Shaq for a game. Bynum's first game as a Pacer, he literally looked like Shaq. I'm, I think the one thing that stands out in my memory is the GQ pictures. The mm. G- mm. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, like you said. I try to put that out of my mind <laughs> like, the, uh, like the Jim O'Brien era. <laughs> is, you know, the, the Pacers, what I loved about that era, you know, obviously I'm biased. I played with George Hill and, you know, so I'm a huge fan of the Pacers at this moment. And they were young and scrappy and they were kind of underrated, flying under the radar. And like you said, they in 2012, they give the Heat pretty much, you know, a really good series. And then... Something shifts in the media. Something shifts where Paul George starts to get this popularity and the Pacers, I believe they were the one seed one of those years, maybe 2013 or 2014. Yeah, I think that's right. And GQ decides to do this (laughs) cover, this story, and it's just embarrassing. I mean, just the photos that come out, the shirts off, the unbuttoned, the... It looked like they were oiled up. It looked like a boy band. <laughs> and and just like, I don't know if there was a shift in that where now it's almost like a joke. It's like a meme would be today. Like what kind of meme would that be in today's world? And then, um, you know, just not being able to get over that hump of LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh, um, being a young scrappy team. And really, again, they people forget they took the heat to, to seven games. In 2013, yeah. it was a seven. It went to seven games, and I think LeBron had he had a crazy game seven. I can't remember his stat line, but he had like 
32, 10, and 10 or something like that. And you're like, you know, gosh, can the Pacers catch a break? Can we not, you know, face a legend who <laughs> has his great game in game seven one time? Yeah, um, obviously then then did it a few years ago with with Cleveland. Um, yeah, boy, the the whole GQ thing. This is why when like people are like, oh, why don't the Pacers or Colts get more national attention? I'm like, do you want it? <laughs> You yeah. know, like I have just these vivid, just horrific images of that. But I mean, I, I, I really like, I mean, the whole Granger injury, I feel like was really hurt the chemistry a bit. And just, it seemed like there was some dysfunction there when you did the Bynum trade. What, what, you know, what did that do to Hibbert's psyche? You know, bringing Evan Turner. I mean, just it sounded so good. And I understand the moves at the time, but just falling flat there. Um, but, man, those are some really good teams because you had such great balance. You know, Lance was obviously really stepped up for you in that 2014 season. You know, Paul was coming to that star role. George Hill it still is today, you know, very solid player. Um, you know, like I said, David West you know, just gave you that, at the time, a, a very necessary throw the ball on the block and just – <laughs> just watch, yeah. you know, he, he, he'll just go to work. And, and as a rim protector, you know, Hibbert seemed to be the guy that could kind of stymie LeBron a little bit there. So, man, those are some really, really good teams. And and he just ran into the ultimate juggernaut. Yeah, I think that's what's so tough about having a franchise like the, the Pacers is you build this really good roster. You Like you said, very compliment you know, complimentary pieces. You got a rim protector, a scorer, a good point guard, David West with the toughness and the leadership, and you still don't quite get over the hump. And then you have to make a really tough decision. Do you blow it up? Do you stick with Vogel? Do you, you know, what's the problem here? And, you know, unfortunately they fired Vogel. Paul George demands a trade. And then you have another four years of trying to get back to, you know, a successful franchise. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, and, and we still see them, you know, like you said, swimming upstream, trying to find that. And, and what I think back to this era of, you know, you, you hit on Paul as a draft pick, you hit on Hibbert as a draft pick, you had hit on Granger, um, you know, you had hit on even Lance um, as a draft pick as well. And I guess fast forward it to today, I just don't see that same, draft pick success. And when you're in this market, if you don't have that, you have no chance. Um, you know, sure, you're able to trade for, you know, Victor and Domas, and maybe you consider those guys draft picks. But when you can really grow guys through that rookie contract, um, that's exactly what you have to do, again, in this market. So, yeah, those teams, I, I think you and I have good perspective on this, in my opinion. I know there are a lot of people that are so pissed off by how Paul handled the end of it. They refuse to acknowledge how good those teams were and how good Paul George was. Yeah, no, that's a great kind of that in that 2014 series. Um, in my opinion, this might have been might have been your most talented team. Um, just when you look at all the pieces and and you know a blossoming star and just the old trustworthy guy and David West as well. So, yeah, that is a. Um, Boy, those are some fun years, man. I was just out of college and just some yeah. great times watching those series and 
you know, going back to that Hibbert block on Mello, you know, that Knicks series. I, I, I kind of forgot the Knicks were – they were the two seed in that series. And so they were, you know, obviously ha- at the home court. So how critical of a block that was by Hibbert in that series. And just some unbelievable atmospheres inside of Banker's life. Yeah, definitely. Um, throughout those years as well. All right. Well, again, really good to go through all these teams. Let's let's kind of recap here. All right, Kevin, who in your mind was the best team or the best, you know, had the best chance to win an NBA championship? Well, it's, it's a great question, and I feel like it's kind of twofold. Again, the best team to me is not necessarily the best team that had a chance to win a championship. I would say probably the best team is is the 98 team. Um, you know, I just felt like Reggie still more so in his prime. Um, you you, you kind of had just a bully ball front court that I think – um, could kind of establish a defensive presence as well, and you would have been able to handle Utah in the finals. But you just – and I'm probably going off too much of maybe what Jordan said after that series, but, you know, I'm going to trust the opinion of the greatest player to ever play the game uh, with that comment there. So I'd probably say the 98 team. Honestly, the best opportunity, though, well, did the Lakers win in 04? Um, you know that off the top of your head. I'm trying to think. I want to say. That the, I want to say the, the Pistons beat them. I want to. It was what they won in 2000, 2001, 2002. Then the the what was the lockout year? 2003. Yeah, you're and right. then the Pistons. Spurs. Pistons, I think the Pistons Spurs won in 03. And then I, I there's a I don't know. Those years get kind of wrapped up. But I, no, I you're think right. the Pistons. You're right. Pistons in five. Yeah, I think the Pistons like surprised everybody and ended up beating the Lakers. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking up now. Yeah, Chauncey was the MVP and Pistons the five. So I mean, obviously, if you get through the Pistons there, you're able to to um, you know potentially beat the Lakers. Who knows? But yeah, I mean that series. I know it didn't go seven, but you lose four two in the Eastern Conference Finals, and again you had the home court, you had the number number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Those games were super competitive. You know, you, you, they didn't have like Game Five and Game Six easily could have gone either way. That game or that series probably stands out to me as maybe the best opportunity to win it all. Yeah, looking back through these teams. Um, I kind of broke it down like you did. Best chance to me is different than best team. I think we would both agree right. the 98 team, uh, talent-wise, probably had the best uh, best all-around team. But best chance, I, I go back to those, those mid-90s teams. And the reason I say that is because, one, you have Michael Jordan sitting out two years in the middle of his prime. And... You know, the season was kind of up for grabs. The Pacers really have a legitimate chance to win those championships. If you beat the Knicks or you go and you beat the Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals, you can win an NBA championship. So to me, those those stand out as the best opportunities. But I would agree with you. The 98 team, to me, and we saw it in the last dance, is just the most talented Pacers team that just didn't get over the hump, didn't win a championship. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the 95 team. I, I probably don't look at that year as much as I should, but, man, 
Jordan's playing baseball and you've got a magic team that hasn't proven themselves. And I don't think anyone looked at the Rockets as some, you know, lock to win at all by any means. So that 95 team is probably a team that I, I it's probably the team I'm least familiar with of all the ones we talked about today, but it's probably the one that, that, that you know, possibly had the best chance. Yeah. All right. Next question is, is it just bad luck? Does the Pacers as a franchise just have bad luck, or does this really show how hard it is to win an NBA championship? Yeah, I think it's the latter, man. I, I you know, bad luck, sure, maybe a little bit. You know, just being in the same division as Michael and LeBron, but I also think that plays into just how difficult it is to win a championship. You need things to break your way. It's, um, you know, I, I think back to the Colts team that you always talk to those players from that 2000 era, they will never say the 06 team was their best team, the team that won it all. They will say the 05 team that, you know, <laughs> Nick Harper's yeah. wife stabbed Nick Harper in the knee. And I, I mean, just do crazy stuff. Vanderjack you know, is the greatest kicker of all time at that point, And Shanks won. And um, so I just think things have to break your way a little bit. Certainly. So, yeah, I, and, and the NBA is different than the NFL. It's just more parity in the NFL. And in the NBA, it's it's remarkable to an extent. You know, the Pacers haven't drafted in the top 10, you know, since in, in my both of our lifetimes, I'm pretty sure. But then you obviously have had the issues of getting over that hump of making all these Eastern Conference Finals appearances, but only one NBA Finals to, uh, to show for it. Yeah, and I you sense a, a frustration with Pacer fans. You know, each every kind of four years we go through a transition, we go through a new coach, and the worry is, hey, we're going to build this thing back up. We're not going to get over the hump, and then we're just going to kind of scrap it and, and try it again. And you know, the hope is, like you said, this off season's going to be big. This off season is going to be huge. What does Oladipo do? Uh, who do we hire as a head coach? Uh, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and hopefully we're sitting here in five years and we're doing a, a recap of this episode and the Pacers have won, you know, hung a banner and won a championship. And we're like, man, it, it goes back to that episode two. We talked about, they really figured it out. Wow. Oh. Yeah, definitely, man. This, this, this is fun though. I like, Absolutely. I, I like look, looking, looking back on it, you know, it's, like we were saying, it's kind of when, when we were growing up a little bit, so you're more in that raw emotional fan um, aspect of your life. So some great memories, just those runs and watching those playoff series and everything. Uh, obviously, you would like to see them get over the hump, but um, still some, some pretty special teams and uh, cool to look back on it all. Definitely, definitely. And again, we had a lot of fun. Episode two, we went a little over our time limit. Man, we just kept going and going, and that's fine. Um, I that went by fast, man. That was yeah. Fun. No, it was really good. And um, again, I hope you guys, the listeners, again, we, we love the feedback. We appreciate all the things you guys have said so far. And again, keep letting us know, what do you guys want to hear about next? Um, we got a lot of topics. Obviously, we can go through the history uh, of Indiana sports. There's a ton we could hit on. So what's something that you guys want to hear about next you can message me on twitter at coach ashworth and and i'll let kind of kevin finish it out and and, you know he can plug his twitter but again uh this was a lot of fun yeah it's a k bowen 1070 uh and like john said you know shoot us a note uh really enjoyed this is probably a little bit more of a fun podcast for us you know a little bit more relatable knowledgeable if you will compared to the first one just talking about folk history uh but yeah let us know what you want to hear and uh 
we'll hopefully kind of do these around once a week here uh, to close out the year. Awesome. All right. That concludes episode two. Thanks, guys. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Man, did this dude just did this? I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. <laughs>